Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen, and today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Hybrid COO, Dr. Ian Kaplan. Ian today shares with us the value of self-directed learning. He is a self-taught, pretty much software engineer. He has taught himself how to code, how to write websites, how to do all these advanced technological things that I don't understand much about. Um, he shares his professional development story from going to school for hospitality management, pivoting into chiropractic school, uh, and then taking a role as a COO and further uh, developing his understanding education on software engineering. Uh, we talk about the pivot that we took with hybrid moving from being a coaching service to a software as a service business. And finally, we talk about the technology that we're developing at hybrid, specifically our new app and marketplace and when that's going to come out and what exactly is it going to do and who is it for, etc., etc., etc. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Our friends at Stay Classy Meats are giving us 10% off for all of our listeners if you use the code HYBRID in all caps. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meats from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies, and they deliver them straight to your door. So since you support the show and HYBRID across the board, we've partnered to give you 10% off your next order at Stay Classy Meats, use the code HYBRID in all caps. As always, please sit back, enjoy the podcast. Yo, actually, you know what? I've always, I wanted to do a one-on-one -on -one podcast with you for a while. This is the chance. Yeah, so today you, you are my guest. Welcome to Hybrid Unlimited, Ian. Thanks for coming. Yeah, just because I happened to be sitting in this exact spot <laughs> when you walked in. No, no, but actually, <laughs> no, but actually I, I have wanted to do it. Because you know what? I was thinking the other day about, actually... Yesterday, as I was listening to the podcast that you sent me uh, with Tyra Banks, uh -huh. just about the, his her career and her just the 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 choices that she's made in her life and how she's kind of like she molded herself to be exactly who she wanted to be and chose a very untraditional path. I was thinking about you, mm -hmm. and you know, you've fallen into a path that you've created, or you're, you've created your own path based on what interest you and not what you what's that what's that uh what's that theory called where where you've already spent too much time doing something sunk cost fallacy the sunk cost fallacy which is something that happens to a lot of people right like you go into chiropractic school or pt school and even though it's not what you want to do you feel like you've already spent enough time and resources and, and doing a change of careers is gonna detract you or gonna push you back even further so i just want to talk a little bit about your career path and your trajectory and kind of like how you've been self-taught in so many different things and what your approach is how you organize your days and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff because i honestly i think it would help me but it would right. help other people too <laughs> okay yeah so I, i one of the reasons why i sent you that tyra banks podcast was i saw one i knew you'd be interested in the subject and the idea of someone who spent decades building a personal brand and then leveraging that into many businesses was really interesting but also the fact that she was a she's a studier mm -hmm. right she dives deep and she understands you know the the details of of you know of the the things she's trying to sell of the product right she is the product but she also builds products and mm -hmm. she sells them so mm -hmm. she kind of really has an interesting perspective uh, she's so well-spoken yeah. intelligent yeah she's very into highly intelligent and the fact that she then kind of 
has kind of experience both in obviously tremendous industry experience, but also some academic experience that she went and she's like, okay, I can teach this or I'm going to learn about it enough to teach it because I also like teaching. So I thought that was really interesting. What does she teach again? Um, I don't think she teaches it anymore, but she taught at Stanford Graduate School of Business, like a personal branding class. That's so sick. Um, which is why you get an MBA at one of those schools is you get like celebrity <laughs> uh, professors. But anyway, we're back to the, your original point was having me talk about how I think about, you know, self-directed learning or like mm -hmm. my own learning path. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I guess. What I, did you want to do when you were in college? Oh, I had no idea. I mean, I, I liked fitness. I like coaching people in fitness. I like learning about it. So I just, I just learned about it and coached people and lived in the gym. And you did exercise science? No, I did, did business, I, I, right? I did hospitality management. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. was just like a thing I could do, like with, with very little time and effort and then spend the rest of my day in the gym coaching people, running training programs, learning about fitness. So you were an um, undercover gym rat. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, I'd sit in the gym all day. That was only really, the hours were really only in the morning and the evening. I would do my FEU coursework because you could do that online. Believe it or not, Ian used to be at 250 pounds. <laughs> it, well, yeah, uh, but not really. I was, I liked it more <laughs> than I was good at it. A hard sex appeal. <laughs> but yeah. um, no, but like, just I liked diving deep into that because it was like a hard. It felt like a hard problem to solve. It was like how to help people get better, and there was a lot. And there's kind of a lot of there's a lot to it. I thought, um, and. And that was kind of that kind of had evolved for me really loving lacrosse and and wanting to be better at that and there was a lot there to that just like kind of understanding the game and getting better and kind of the satisfaction of that kind of you know improvement over time and kind of right and when you and just what everyone chases like doing well and and putting a lot of work into something and then you know having it kind of realizing that on the field or you know and that was the same thing with with doing fitness and then more so for me coaching and learning about it um but that kind of transitioned into chiropractic school because you're like well what's next i think you had the same experience i was like you know i have an undergraduate business degree i literally worked in a gym for my work experience so i'm not going to go work at a hotel you know <laughs> which is kind of the default option for a hospitality program um or Disney World or something. Um, so, but so <laughs> what was your reason to get into PT school or carry school? Because I thought rehab was a harder problem with more stakes than just training people. And I wanted to learn about it. Did your mind change? What? Did your mind change? Yes. How so? <laughs> I mean, right. We've both gone deep on that long enough to realize that a lot of stuff works. It, um, the thing, kind of the secret knowledge that you thought you might get was actually a lot of nonsense, you know, that is, that is unnecessarily complicated. Um, and there's a lot of kind of, you either, you either get distracted by hand wavy explanations that have, are kind of, might be internally sound, like it might be easy to reason about them, but they're not based on evidence. And then once you get down to the evidence, there's a lot of, right. There's a lot of just working with individual people and, and figuring out the best solution for the person at the time. And there's a lot of unknowns. So it's like, okay, well, then it's just about working with people, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it's much more of a, it's much more of a, a, a discipline where you're just connecting with people than you're like 
then you're fixing them or then you have some sort of you know you're you're either you're not really fixing anybody but if you really enjoy kind of connecting with people and helping them through a you know a tough experience then that's the thing for you but it's not like this high level like you know hard-earned kind of exclusive knowledge that some people think it is yeah they Um, they i think they paint the profession in in a it's not an ivory tower. You're not doing rocket brain surgery. But that's right? how they make it seem, right? Like it's yeah. so prestigious and yeah. you get to get out with a doctorate level degree yeah. and have all this like, you know, yeah. information that no one else has access to that nobody else knows. Yeah. So, if you know, it's not a physics PhD and you're not doing brain surgery. Yeah. You know. Was it, that was disappointing for you? Yes, it was very disappointing. Would you, uh, like, I, I, would you I've choose had, a different path? I've had, I don't know, because I didn't really know at the time. Yeah. And that was kind of the path that was that that was in front of me. Um, there's a lot of like the much further back there would be a different path. It's like if I didn't play lacrosse in college and I went to like Binghamton, which was much cheaper, but it had different programs or, you know, if I, you know, there's like a lot of like what ifs like I in high school, like I liked I didn't like math as much as I liked history. And, yeah. you know, um, so it, I think it's just how people mature and what they connect with at whatever time in their life. You know. What, so, what what would have been what would what about the learning environment or I guess like the career specifically you think would need to change for you not to feel this way if that makes any sense what about like how can we how can we improve the system to make it a one a better learning experience and to make it so that when people graduate the degree lives up to the expectations of the student. Are you talking about the graduate learning yeah. experience, chiropractic learning experience? Chiropractic. Oh, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's savable. Um, I don't know if it's standards. I don't know if it's more a more rigorous commitment to science in medicine because even medicine has this weird history of not being very scientific, mm-hmm. being very, you know, kind of. Uh, like bio plausible, like recipe based, like kind of clinicians reason about anatomy and they don't really actually have this kind of all of the rest of the context of what science and medicine means. Like, cause there is a, there is a, a philosophical commitment to acquiring knowledge in, 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 in an honest way and not pretending you know more than you do. And there's, and also there's a discipline in the math and modeling of the world that just, a lot of even I think other clinical degrees and definitely not my chiropractic degree taught us, right? Or or it was implied that you should might get it, but you can get by without knowing any of it. Mm-hmm. And then once it got time to apply it, they're like, well, you don't really need to apply that. You just do what you know what the recipe says, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then there's no the, the once if you don't have that those tools or you don't have that way of viewing the world, you're kind of set up for failure. Mm-hmm. Right, you're kind of rushed very quickly into certain types of of, of learning environments, which are test driven and you know recipe based. And if you can get by in those, you're given the license, and then and then it's like good luck with the rest of your career, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but and that works, you know, for like regular clinical practice where where the the service contract is: I come in, you make sure you don't kill me, and you're going to give me the the therapy I expect and I might may or may not feel better. I will probably feel better because time will go by and I expect to feel a little better, mm-hmm. but 
you know, and and if that happens, then the encounter was a success. So there's a very low bar to success, right? Yeah. Um, and that's not an interesting problem anymore. Like, so so is there even motivation to make it better, right? If that's if that's all you need to do to be successful. Yeah. Right. So. I, I don't have a good answer for how it could be better other than much more rigorous education and and a commitment to being in higher stakes environments right where where the burden of success is higher yeah i think the difficult thing i think the most difficult thing is that if people can't really acknowledge and recognize that there is a problem mm -hmm. then there's nothing to solve kind of thing so i just think back at the way that my classmates used to think and we don't think the same yeah you know so yeah, my thing they, is they thought they thought that the the PT program at UM prepared them perfectly for for the for the clinic and they're happy and they're yeah. So my thing is like, what are you actually doing with patients other than telling them some story, watching them get better, and then attributing that to you? Nothing. Right. That's that's if if that's what you're prepared to do, that's not hard. It's not hard to prepare someone to do that. No. There's a bunch of legal scaffolding around it, right? You need some authority. You need some, you need a license to bill insurance. You need, you know, there's a bunch of protections, of, you know, for patients. You need to, you know, follow, you know, HIPAA and, um, and kind of minimum, you know, you know, minimum standards of practice guidelines, you know, for good reason, because, you know, medicine used to be just, you know, the Wild West um, and, and those protections are in place for reason, but they also provide a lot of obstacle to innovation that's all another mm -hmm. kind of bag of worms it's mm -hmm. like right it's very hard to get anonymized patient data um, but for some, some people might be content yeah. with having the skills yeah. and the tools to, to yeah. just so do I that think right it's a professional degree right it's like you know you're, if you're a body mechanic like a mechanic is fine not being able to engineer a car they just mm -hmm. want to fix cars mm -hmm. right they like working, yeah, they like right. working with their hands they like screwing things into right. you know they like having a having a puzzle to solve in front of them yeah um you know, we'd have a problem with the body as a as a car analogy, but that's that's it's the same type of relationship and the same satisfaction people get out of it, which yeah. is fine. But it's like, what if you wanted to design the car, or what if you wanted to do something different? Right. For right. me, I think it was a matter of expectations. I think that's what that's yeah. why I felt let down. It was because I had my expectation was in the way that the physical therapy degrees presented. It's like uh, you're part of the. You're a medical professional. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I, like you, I felt like I was going to be able to help to a much deeper yeah. degree and, and, and significant degree. And I was just, I just wasn't right. Like it's not, it's sets and reps and yeah. ice and yeah. soft I tissue mean, work. You know, I, I didn't know w what I wanted for my future at the time. And at the time, helping people seemed noble and seemed like you know a rewarding kind of professional day um so I, I would move generally in that direction um but i think that's such a bullshit reason to get into it but like it, yeah, was, I didn't, it was the same for me but there's so many other yeah, ways but there's like career stability like it was career I, stability, I thought it was yeah. stable like obviously there's like career stability in there L little did i know it's as not as stable as i thought it was you know <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> which is one i mean which is one of the motivating factors for why you know why my learning direction has changed but like in the same direction like i think it gets into what i'm more into now is that there are i i i come at healthcare from a different perspective now i think there's still opportunities to to participate in healthcare like we, we participate in health and fitness which is which is at least related to that um to what we studied in school in, in an indirect way um 
and there's also you know and also kind of discovering how unstable um you know the kind of whatever we call it, call it physical medicine or chiropractic pt world can be actually you know hard for new graduates to find jobs you know very tough working conditions you know um it's a very tough road to like create a stable business which is kind of your only option as a chiropractor because there's what there's like six va jobs that have that are government salary with student loan forgiveness and mm-hmm. the whole deal like the rest of it is you got to start your own practice and start selling yeah right or or you're gonna work at a franchise and and literally crack people all day crack yeah. people yo <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about that guy dr Bo, whatever He's not even a chiropractor, I think. He's, What do you mean? He's like a, some weird New Mexico thing. I don't want to speak to it. I think he's a naturopath or some... The guy, no, the YouTube guy that cracks yeah. people? Yeah, but he's like, he's, it's like a different license that like only exists in New Mexico. Yo, Caesar, this guy has like bajillions of views on YouTube. Just It's just him cracking famous people. It's no, the ring, the ring Dinger guy is the most famous YouTube chiropractor. Who's, who's the Ring Dinger? The That's Ring Dinger. His YouTube name? Uh, that's the that's the patented technique he uses. He wraps a towel around the chin, hooks you in the stirrups, and he just yanks. And, and he has and he has you know hundreds of millions of YouTube videos. Hundreds you, of millions of YouTube vi- views. Yeah. Hundreds of millions of views. Yeah. Cap, we're doing. It all <laughs> I know. Wrong. That's literally the path to to being rich and famous as a chiropractor is to crack people on YouTube. Yo, I should start doing that, and like we should fake the special effects. <laughs> You know, you should just put like crazy ones like that. <laughs> That's probably not coming through on the mic. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> And just oh, people love that. strongest adjustment from the strongest girl. <laughs> Dude. That, that would do so well. We'll crush it. Yeah. We should try it just for fun. Um, so, okay. So, oh my God, I have coffee. So chiropractic school, then you graduated. Uh, you're planning on taking your license thing, license thing or not? No, I still have part four, and I'm like, that was in person, and it got canceled twice. Then I got refunded. I'm like, sweet, <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking I'm taking the money back. Fuck yeah, yeah. I did. I, we talked about how different Cairo and PT boards are. Cairo boards is six tests, That's and insane. it's like five grand. That's insane. It's insane. It's really dumb, you know, and. It's just a formality too. Yeah. And if you're not going to practice, then what's the point? Yeah. I had someone on, on Instagram um, called, call me a fake PT the other day because I didn't take my license licensure exam. I'm like, you realize that that's like the least important part of the yeah, whole and thing. Literally everybody passes it unless you're like everybody dumb, dumb as a doorknob. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent pass rate of that yeah. test. Yeah. 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 It's literally, yeah. Okay, so you didn't take that. You said screw it. So I took all of them, and but now what, you're a no, software engineer. I not Let's only talk about that. So I want to before we get to that part. I took all of them, but one of the tests, which was the most, the longest and most expensive one. Yeah, screw that. <laughs> so I actually, that's more of a sunk cost. I literally took every test but one, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not taking the last one. Wow. So I was like, why? Like, I would just give away sixteen hundred dollars and go to Daytona for the weekend. It Cap, makes no you're, sense. You're a rebel. <laughs> You're straight up a rebel. I could do that. And you're a pirate. T- you know, it'd be funny just to do that. Just you know, just just because. Um, but it's really not worth the weekend in in at a chiropractic school. No. Um, it's not worth. It's not. It's not not worth the money. It's also not worth the three days. <laughs> are Hello. You, are you taking a call right now? 
Uh, sorry, I can't talk right now. Can you give me a call back? Thank you, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Moving to software engineer thing. Okay, yeah. What about it? Yeah. Oh, well, I got hired here. And then we're at least partly a, a, a software company. Explain. Um, we sell training programs online delivered via a, a web app, which is a piece of software. Um, I want to specifically talk about how you taught yourself how to do all these things. But okay. before that, okay. let's talk about kind of the pivot of the company into more of a software as a Well, service. my argument is you were always a software company, but right. you didn't really see yourselves like that. So, so this, is what's, <laughs> this is what's interesting. We obviously started hybrid with a, with a sole purpose, sole goal of distributing online workout programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least for me, like I was always on a quest for more training and fitness and from information, I never felt like I knew enough. That's kind of how you and I connected, right? Yeah. You and I connected because you're exchanging research papers on Instagram and then you became a writer for hybrid, for research. Um, and we, you and I were both super focused on that. Just, oh, what research came out? Like, what's the appropriate rest interval? <laughs> what's the best rehab modality? What does this do? What does that not do? And we were kind of both... I think we were both really curious about the information that we had learned and received in in grad school and just kind of wanted to understand a bit better and and see what was and what wasn't, essentially. Yeah. And eventually that evolved into, I don't know when was it that we had that realization that we needed to focus more on, on the technology and on the business side of the business and not so much on the coaching side of the business. But that was kind of that was the best change in perspective for us was just understanding that we had already all the tools and knowledge that we needed as coaches and that in that the product was there, mm-hmm. but the experience wasn't the delivery wasn't the technology wasn't. OK, I want to take a second here just to give another shout out to our sponsor, State Classy Meats. These guys, we've been using them for quite some time now, actually, long before they were uh, a sponsor on the show. And they make some of the best stuff that I have ever had. And unlike a lot of meat companies that keep it pretty basic, you can have freaking Wagyu burgers, tomahawk steaks. You can think of it, they have it. And that can arrive straight to your door. Uh, Stay classy. Sources from ranchers who are for the animals, which means they allow the animals to graze in a stress-free environment. And if you know anything about hunting or uh, eating meat in general, That is super important to the quality and the taste of the meat. Stay Classy is also committed to keeping their meat hormone and antibiotic free. So when you get this meat, you know you're just getting meat. You know exactly what's in it. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their body. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed out our bodies will be, and the more efficient it will run. They are all about quality, convenience, and small batch. So definitely check these guys out. Like I said, they make the best stuff. Code HYBRID in all caps will get you guys 10% off. So try some bougie burgers, try some other awesome meat, and uh, enjoy. Enjoy a little discount on us. All right, now let's get back to the episode. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, so I have very clear moments in my head of when I when I thought that that was important. I mean, we had very early conversations of like, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? Wouldn't it be cool if we could do that? And then we're like, okay, so how do we do it? And then we're like, we don't know. And then we were like, and then we we're like, okay, we need to find someone who can do that. 
And then I would get the sheet of paper with this list of technologies and tools that we would need that person to know. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know any of them. Mm -hmm. Didn't know what the words meant. I'm like, man, we're hiring someone. Like, someone should know what those words mean. <laughs> someone. <laughs> you know, and the, like the more I looked around, like the, the you know, the more that the person probably was like, why not me? Like, if, if, if someone is going to do it, I might as well do it. Um, and. Don't people go to school for that kind of people go to school for computer science um you know, there's a lot of education i mean there's a ton of, the, the thing about that stuff is the free education is the best education i've told you that but computer science my understanding is I, like i did when i was in school kind of as this was in chiropractic school literally during clinic hours as i was writing for hybrid as i was as i was really interested in in, in research like you in the context of like we got a, such a heavy information diet of nonsense that we wanted to get better at appraising information and digesting research papers are, are its own skill and it has kind of these many sub skills which are interesting um but right the the practical ability like what that actually gives you in terms of practical knowledge is quite limited especially if you can't actually like build products for people that apply that stuff mm -hmm. i mean we do that now like i've since then i've actually applied research papers and product mm -hmm. products and that's What's interesting about we'll get in, get into a machine learning is that's essentially what you do as a practitioner is you apply papers and practice mm -hmm. because you're not doing the abstract academic work that's you know for someone at University of Toronto or Stanford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, computer science. So like I, I, the great thing about that is like the best computer science curriculums in the world are free online. Harvard CS50 is just on YouTube. But it's also on like Harvard's EDX platform. So like I was watching that while in clinic at chiropractic school and what you get there is like foundational kind of computer science knowledge of like what is binary like how to you know how to data structure what are data structures and algorithm what are the basics of like the popular languages and they'll they'll generally teach you like very old kind of primitive concepts of like how the internet works and like you know how memory works and how storage works but that's not like what you apply in practice there's this whole world of boot camps where they actually like will try to teach you, they'll take you from zero to like web developer in like 12 weeks or six months. That's where it's like, it's, we don't care if you know the theory, you just need to put web pages together, right? You need to know front end stuff. You need to know that a backend exists. You need to know the tools and ecosystems that are available. That's make, a 12 week course. They are, they vary in rank in, in, um, in length and they, they're all over the place. Some are good, some are bad. Some do like, some do like, income based for payment some you don't pay for it until they land you a job some like guarantee well, jobs what's a good place to start for somebody who wants oh, wants to be self-taught in, in well so there's learning? like there's those three like there's those three options there's go to school for four years right an undergraduate computer science degree where you're going to get a lot of non-practical knowledge mm -hmm. but if you like algorithms if you want to you know do computer science theory obviously that's where you go if you want to if you want to go to grad school you know you obviously need to do something like that first and grad school is where it really gets either really abstract or really industry focused. You know, that's where like, you know, Sergey Brin and, and Larry Page dropped out of their Stanford computer science PhD mm -hmm. because they had a search algorithm that they could use. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, so it depends on where people are. Right. I did the self-taught thing because like I'm, I have a job and I have these immediate problems in front of me that I could use some programming to solve. Right. So I can learn what I need to do to solve the problem. I like having theoretical context because I think it helps me solve the problem. So I don't like just saying, oh, you know, this is all I need to know, so I'm not going to go any deeper. 
if you go a little deeper, that'll help you solve the next problem. And it kind of gives you a better context for the problem you're solving. Mm -hmm. So go a little bit deeper than you think. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you get a, you'll get kind of, you're learning at multiple levels, even though if you're going top down sometimes. Um, and, and you'll, and also for me, I find kind of, you find parts of it that are interesting. You end up backing into the parts that are drier. So like, if you're, if you're not really interested in like the low level bits of like how a computer works, well, if you have a specific problem that kind of requires some knowledge of that, you'll eventually learn it. Mm -hmm. uh, but you don't need to learn it all at once. You don't need to like stick your head in a dry textbook. Um, so yeah. So for me, the self-taught way was the way to go um, because of just working here. Um, but for people, I mean, we had an intern who actually just came out of a, he was in fitness. He just came out of a, a six month data science boot camp where they taught, where they learned Python. They learned how to create visualizations. They learned about, you know, how to deal with, data kind of in back-end systems and he did that for six months it was full-time right he paid a few thousand dollars for it I think it's like lambda uh, there's a bunch of companies that probably could i don't want to reference a specific one but if you go to like a directory they'll have you know lists of good ones there's actually one in miami there's a there's wincode which is down the street which is for web developers there's general assembly which has product management i think data science and web development web development is the most common one obviously um but they they're like full-time um, they really are immersive. They'll try to like, there's like, they'll, you'll have class all day. You'll have homework assignments. You'll have capstone projects. You'll have a like portfolio that you can give to an employer mm -hmm. and some employers will, will, will tolerate the fact that you really have no experience, but they're like, oh, you're a bootcamp graduate. We kind of like bootcamp graduates because they have other experience. You know, they, you, they've shown that they can work hard and pick things up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And if you pass their interview process, they kind of like bootcamp people mm -hmm. rather than kind of these pure computer science people who might have a lot of non-applicable knowledge. Um, but yeah, but this, but this intern did all that, worked with me for a few weeks on some little things. And then he's like, Hey, I got a job at U-Haul as like one of their business analysts, you know? And so we had like, and that was one of several job offers. So oh, for cool. him, that was like, for him, that was leaving fit the fitness industry where the work was a little less stable. He's like, now he's working for a business with, with 70 years of history, you know, and is very unlikely to fire and and I don't know what his pay structure is, but I'm sure it's fine. You know, and is very unlikely to fire him anytime soon, and is just giving him a sandbox to play in. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of his career path. And I think people don't really know. I think the pandemic has kind of shown people that that if you wanted to get into technology, it's really there for anybody. Mm -hmm. um, but it does require a bunch of work and and figuring out what you want to do and what you're good at. And there's many kind of sub disciplines in there, mm -hmm. um, and. And there's kind of room for anyone, but it's not an overnight thing. It's not, you know, it's not a, these aren't abstractions or, or mental muscles that are like, that are intuitive to anybody at first, but they are learned over time. Mm -hmm. So you can't just like learn it in a weekend. You can't just like kind of, if you don't pick it up at first, that doesn't mean like you can't do it. Right. Like literally any, it's not an intelligence right. kind of uh, contest. It's really just a commitment contest um but at some level it does become you know you just need some some sort of uh, yeah. you need to be able to think a certain type of way yeah I, I mean yeah i'm glad you touched on all those points i think mm -hmm. honestly i think it's really it's admirable and i think it's inspiring for other people to hear mm -hmm. about somebody who just you know just out of pure will and discipline decided to change careers on their own and be self-taught and mm -hmm. successful at it so yeah so but I, but I think that's that's more common than people think i think a lot of people have especially in technology, don't have computer science degrees. Right. Um, 
And I mean, and even in kind of this, in even kind of, especially web developers, web developers, and also this, like this newer kind of data science world, you know, right. People building smart things are, are, there's a lot of, there's a lot of math and stats people, but there's a lot of philosophy people. There's a lot of English PhDs, right. Stuart Butterfield, who co-founded Slack is, has an, has a, has a PhD in English. Wow, interesting. You know, and he, and he co-founded Flickr before that. Um, Cap, okay, so yeah. I, I really want to talk about the technology at hybrid that we're developing okay. as much as we can divulge. Okay. But before we get into that, um, I want to talk about kind of a little bit about business for people who are in the coaching space who might want to, who either are already offering their coach, coaching services or are thinking about doing it mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, is it worth investing in your own software, in your own, in developing your own technology? And how does it, or if not, then how do you position yourself in a market where everybody else is using a similar platform? Yeah. Um, so when th- would you recommend one versus the other? So I think if you, if you know nothing about how a website works, don't build your own. Don't, right? And that's, I think this is the opposite of what you did. And I think where, I think you guys are, had tremendous advantages in the beginning and you you also got you also kind of created tremendous advantages for yourself that overcame that limitation of not really knowing what you were getting into but i don't i think that's an exception to the rule yeah mainly yeah. it was because we had capital because hayden had yeah. sold his previous business yeah and you could and you had money to essentially burn right yeah um and you had the advantage of becoming the greatest you know powerlifter in the world mm-hmm. you that know helped. <laughs> yeah that helped that helped overcome some other limitations right and this enormous social media you know presence I don't think that's replicable for most people. It, again, and if and if you are a technical person or have a technical co-founder, this isn't a question. You're, you're just going to build it, mm-hmm. right? You're going to be like, be like, there's right. We can build it better, cheaper, faster. You know, you know, and own our our and and kind of own our infrastructure and be more vertical, right? If it is a question and you don't really know where to start, then you got to go buy something, right? And you got to differentiate some other way, and or you need to find the most you know qualified technical person you know and make them a co-founder right right, <laughs> right? they yeah. got to be your last co-founder and not your first employee yeah 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 absolutely um, it was one thing that i did realize uh, especially at the beginning was how much people overpromise and under deliver in this in the it world or software engineering or computer science world yeah especially in the what's fir- the right the- terminology um i don't know what you're I, I think software engineering, software developing, whatever. The, they're all they all kind of have their own connotations. Like software developers is probably the best one. Okay. Um, so software engineering. So it'd be like it'd be like I'd reach out to somebody and I'd be like, okay, this is what I need the website to have. This is what I need the website to do. Can you do it? Mm. They're like, yes. oh yeah, no problem. Two weeks, ten thousand bucks, and I'm like, sick. <laughs> and next thing you know, two years it's later, two years later, <laughs> three hundred thousand dollars down the trash <laughs> in a website that doesn't work. Yeah, and then you're like, "How did we get here?" But you know what's and fun? again, sunk cost fallacy, right? Because yeah. probably what ended up happening is that after the month or whatever the time frame was, he was like, "Oh, I just need another month and another 5k," and you're like, "Okay." Then three months go by, and then they're like, "Oh, no, 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 for sure it's ready." And three months and another 10k, and you're like, oh, "Okay," and so on and so, so forth until you've s- sunk half of your savings into so it. So there's there's <laughs> two, there's two points I want to add there that are really interesting because that happens at every scale, literally. Like IBM will contract a, 
an agency and they'll be $75 million in and they have no deliverable. And they're like, where's our little service that we didn't want to build ourselves? And they're like, oh, it's almost ready. Or, or we tried to build to your requirements and we couldn't do it because your requirements were too complicated. You know, the, the, that happens all the time. Um, and then the other example is if you've watched Social Network, literally the story of Mark Zuckerberg's building Facebook mm-hmm. was him leading the Winklevoss twins on for, for months. Like he literally got their idea, told them he was building it. They would ask him where it is and he'd say, and he'd just create excuses because he had all the power. They had no idea what he was doing, right? They couldn't observe his development process. They didn't know where the code was. You know, they couldn't read PHP. You know, they wouldn't know PHP if it, you know, you know, if, if he wrote it on a sheet of paper and, and hit them, you know, across the face with it, you know. Um, so Mark literally just kind of strung them along and and built Facebook on his own, you know, because he had all the power as the developer, you know, in that in that environment. Um, but yeah, in that relationship of I of I need a website, I will find a freelancer to build it for me and I will wait until it's done is really challenging. Mm-hmm. And you need to get, you need to get really lucky to have a simple enough project that someone could do that, or it, or the only other option is it is it is it's either not to not what you expected, or it takes way longer than you expected. Because mm-hmm. there's no way that that doesn't involve a, a continuous cycle of of close communication and mutual understanding of the business context and the technical constraints of mm-hmm. of the of the project, mm-hmm. right? Anything beyond a simple like static web page where it's like, I want the page to look like this and it has some buttons and then it links to other pages, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's relatively easy. You know, once, once you get any more complicated than that, there are, there are many things that, that neither party considers, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the developer doesn't consider the business context and the, and the business person doesn't consider the developers, mm-hmm. you know, technical decisions. Um, so I hope that that makes it so looks like that kind of arrangement, those expectations fail on both sides. Right. Right. And it might not be anybody's fault. It's just nobody really has a complete understanding of the, of the agreement they're entering into. Right. I just think that, yeah, if you're a business, if, if you're a business owner or a coach thinking about developing your own software, then this is just a pain point. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And so something that happens and it's something that's very easy to fail to appreciate going in because you're, you're. You're, you're ignorant of the extent of your ignorance. Mm-hmm. You're like, how, how hard could it be? It's a website. For sure. I use Facebook all the time. For sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you would think that putting up websites are easy and they're just really not. Um, and and the, the developer is motivated to get the contract and they will say, naturally they will say whatever they need to do to get the contract. Right. Right. And they might not even be aware that they're doing it. And that happens, again, that happens with very experienced people and very large companies. Mm-hmm. They just, people need contracts, right? Okay, let's let's talk about technology at hybrid. Okay. What, have we, what have we been working on? Um, we've been working on a mobile-first um, training experience. Um, right, the idea was up until present day, the hybrid training programs and hybrid nutrition was delivered via a web app, you know, and there's a kind of a, and we, you know, and when I got here, we would always say, you know, website or something. And mm-hmm. there's a, there's kind of a blurry line between websites and web apps. Web apps imply a, more complexity and more dynamism. Um, 
So that's another thing. It's like if you're if you are a coach and you and you think you need a website to deliver your training program, I would argue you need a web app. Mm-hmm. All right. And that implies that it's bigger and heavier and more complicated mm-hmm. and right and requires much more engineering than than painting a web page. Yeah. Right. Um, so we have this web app and we know that the world is mobile first. So and we when our web app was built in 2016 mm-hmm. and was built with technology that was popular in 2012, mm-hmm. you know, and some of it was deprecated in 2016. So it's, it's impossible to maintain. That right? was a problem. Yeah. And that's, that happens. And also that's another thing is that is that this stuff isn't static is that um, right. These, you know, apps need to be maintained and, and they need to be all right. They need to be continuously developed and continuously worked on. They're not kind of they're not like buildings. Right. They're not they're not one cost one kind of one cost investments. They require upkeep. Yeah, constantly. they require maintenance and development and upgrades because the world changes around it. It's not an isolated thing. And <laughs> I think it needs to be. Yeah. Let me open the bathroom, um, MC. Thank you. Yeah. So so and at certain point, especially especially kind of consumer facing apps, they, mm-hmm. they do need to be rebuilt. And kind of the weaker you build them, the more frequently they need to be rebuilt. Because mm-hmm. the you know the more complicated the change is, the more likely it is that you just you'd be better off just rebuilding it. Mm-hmm. So uh, what what are uh, what are some of the features of our app? Um, well, the idea is to be a a a viable mobile app. One is cross platform, so it's both iOS and Android. Um, two, there it's a freemium thing, so there are there is functionality, so you can build your own workouts as well as get workouts from hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of store whatever workout information you want, and it will come with all of our exercise li- library in it. Mm-hmm. So you can, so you kind of can learn a little bit, and also kind of kind of keep that information refreshed, right? So if, if you are unsure about an exercise, you can look it up and and see what's going on. Um, and you, and it has obviously like a workout log. So like when you like the old app, but it, it hopefully is a little nicer user experience. You, when you complete your workouts, you'll be able to see your workout history and, and track your PRs and everything. But it's really a mechanism for delivering hybrid workouts much more efficiently mm-hmm. without kind of going to a website and clicking around a bunch of pages. It should be easy to follow, easy to, easy to track your workouts and kind of get out of the way of, of doing your training. Right. You don't want to like fiddle around with the software. You don't want to click through too many pages. You don't want to wait for it to load. Um, and you want to easily access media, right? So you remember how to do that exercise that we're telling you that you have no idea what it's called, right? Um, and you want to know like, okay, I've done that movement before. I back squatted before. What did I do last week, right? Or what's my best back squat? Or or what did I use for my for my dumbbell weighted lunges last week? Mm-hmm. So there's kind of, so for V1, there's those very kind of simple use cases that we need to nail. Which is just like, how do we not make this app hard to use? Which is right, really hard to do, mm-hmm. right? Because the more the more complex the thing, like when you're when you're delivering workouts that can be as complicated as you make them, like right, Matt Fraser's program is complicated, right? How do we give people usable information so that they can do their workouts without having them to search everywhere mm-hmm. um, and kind of curate that for them, um, without having them spend so much time in the app that they aren't working out, mm-hmm. right? And what kind of convenience can we offer them? Like we, we offer like a rest timer and 
you know, um, and stuff like that and ways to organize their workout. So if they, if it's completed, it kind of moves off of their, off of their active panel and, and the days are organized and it's distributed predictably so they can see their whole month in advance and, you know, and all those nice things. And they have this kind of, and they can organize their, you know, if they had multiple, if they wanted to divide their workout, if they had multiple subscriptions or they had an add-on program or they had like a, like a competition prep program that would be stored separately. So it's just a way to, it's like a place for your workouts mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and a place for your workout history. So you can go look back in it. And then we obviously plan on building more features in over time as we get, you know, better customer, uh, feedback. And as we see what direction it goes, cause we can go in many directions. Did you already talk about the marketplace? Um, well, the marketplace is just where you can buy hybrid training programs. Okay. Um, and obviously we plan to populate the marketplace with all hybrid products eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the idea is you can't buy hybrid programs in the app. You can just buy them in the marketplace and they just, once you buy them in the marketplace, they're in the app. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the same account. How long has it taken to build it up to this point? I mean, we started really kind of designing the the app in the marketplace pretty much exactly a year ago i mean we, we were we were committed to building it like in january of when last you say year. we how big is the team um i mean who do i include on that team because i feel like it's an organizational thing yeah i mean i mean the, everyone yeah what is it like eight people yeah i mean more or less it kind of grew as we as the, the size of the project grew because early on it's a lot of just like talking about what it should look like and really thinking deeply about all the features because i mean there's right there's high level things of like how like how do what is the service that we're offering like okay we're offering a freemium app like how do we like how do we structure it so mm -hmm. right we could offer only hybrid programs and have no functionality where someone could add a program but now you run into app store issues like mm -hmm. because you have you don't have a viable app mm -hmm. that you can give to the app store and say hey this is this is our app um they'll be like what can you do here and it's like oh you can buy hybrid programs mm -hmm. and they'll be like where can we buy hybrid programs it's like they're like, oh, outside of the app store. I'm like, mm -hmm. you can't do that, mm -hmm. right? Um, so there was a decision between in-app purchases, which would involve a 30% you know, margin for Apple, or give people a free workout experience, which I think is a good experience, right? So, so even if they're not doing hybrid stuff, mm -hmm. they can use our, our content and build their own workouts mm -hmm. if they like to build workouts in their phone, which some people I found really, really do. Yeah, and also we can do- our exercise library. Yeah, and also- and also, I think we can do better at that over time, right? People should be able to build workouts in their phones mm -hmm. or at least so and or, or even just like build them in real time as they're training so they can log what they did yeah. so they can go back and remember it just in an intuitive way. So we give that to people for free and then we use the same kind of components to to distribute hybrid programs. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a high level thing. But low level things are like, it was like, how do we store exercises like what does the what does the tables look like? It was like where do the buttons go, right? How do you delete a workout? Are you can the user delete their workouts, right? How would they delete the workouts, right? Mm -hmm. So there's and then there's those low level concerns, you know, evolve over time. But there's a lot you have to kind of develop in advance. Um, so so you think through a lot of that, and then you design a basic structure for the app before you even build anything, right? So, and then you start building it, you know, piece by piece, end to end. So you have some, something usable so you can figure out what you need to improve. And so you can test it with people. Um, so that part 
Um, and so for us, the part of figuring out what exactly we need to build and what the requirements were, even though they've evolved a bunch over time, because, you know, we're, we're, you know, things move fast here. Right. And what we expect users to do in the app has, has shifted a bunch. Um, and what we think the app is has, has shifted. Um, right. We're, and naturally when it's more abstract, you're more concerned with data and you're less concerned with the UX. And now we've become more and more concerned with making the UX like the user experience as, as clean and efficient as possible, right. As minimally painful as possible, you know, at the expense of some, um, data integrity, which would, which you would then use for better features. Um, so, but that all has taken, you know, about a year. Um, so, but we spend much of the first few months just mapping out documents, right. Designing wireframes, not really writing any code, maybe just building some, some basic things, some proof of concept things. Um, and then we slowly started building, you know, the mobile app out, um, you know, designing our infrastructure to handle the kind of scale we expect. Cause that's another thing is like, if you, you build a, a web app that you expect to handle a few hundred people, it's very different than a web app you expect to handle, you know, a few million people, yeah, you know, um, because that's not something I think, you know, business owners who don't have that background necessarily think about is performance constraints are real. And if your app doesn't load fast and it doesn't feel modern, that's a, that's a deal breaker, right? People just leave websites that don't load, mm -hmm. right? And the more data you put in it, the more users you have um, taxing your, your infrastructure, the quicker performance falls apart, right? Right. And it, and perform and maintaining performance scales, not only like it, it costs a little bit more for it to perform well, mm -hmm. but, but the, but the return you get on that performance is, is, so far outpaces the investment in performance mm -hmm. and and most of the investment in performance is thinking in advance about how to design a system that mm -hmm. that performs at scale mm -hmm. right and i think that's also that applies to not just infrastructure but kind of everything we all of our systems because i think we've designed a bunch of systems that made sense at the time but don't scale to 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 the levels either we are at now or the level we want to be absolutely right um so that's kind of some of the hard lessons you learn because you can kind of get by just kind of working in an unscalable system. But if your system doesn't scale technology, you, you, it's painful and you notice it very quickly. Mm -hmm. So, um, when is this app going to be available? Um, launch date is April one, April 1st. You yeah. hear that guys? So, so, but the idea is we're going to slowly kind of the, the, the rollout is gradual because it's all new. It's a different app. So we need to kind of release the hybrid programs in the app. So the first program to be available is the Matt Frazier Hardware Pays Off program. Um, that's April 1. And then the following week, we plan on releasing other hybrid programs. Um, like, you know. But they can download the app. April yeah, they can yeah, they can download the app from the app store. How on much April is it going to cost? Well, the app is free to download. It's free. Yeah. So once, so you'll check the marketplace to see if you, if there are programs available that you want. Mm -hmm. And one of the cool things as well. So in addition to the big hybrid subscriptions, you'll be able to download over time more and more, you know, one-time payment add-ons that you'll just be able to keep, you know, so you have your own library of programs, um, whether that's stuff like our competition prep stuff, like, you know, um, uh, some of our staples like push pull or upper only or, or, 
or lift specific kind of focus um, cycles. Um, there's endless amount of things we can do with, with one-time payments. Um, and so that library will be built over time. Awesome. So you heard it first here, probably not first, probably it's already yeah. been said out there, but April 1st, uh, you can download the, what's it called? Uh, Strong Coach app? Uh, hybrid, hybrid Strength, strong, strength, strength coach. coach app. Yeah. Strong Coach. Strong Coach. Bro, I don't strength even know couch. where I'm sitting right now. Yeah. I don't even know where my head is at. Um, yeah. Uh, you can download it April 1st. Yeah, mess first, around. Yeah, go ahead. So, well, if you're interested in the, the Hardware Pays Off program, you can buy that now and you will get an email with a temporary login you know, so you can, so you'll have an account made for you. Um, but on Mind you, this is the first time that Matt Fraser shares his, his training tips yeah. and programs. So you yeah. don't want to miss it. So you, so if you go to highperformancemethod.com now, you go mm -hmm. to Matt Fraser's program, how it pays off. You, you sign up for the, the presale on April one. All you have to do is download the app, sign in with the email you get, and you'll have hybrid strength coach with the hardware pays off program in the app. Okay. So the app is going to be a big upgrade from the previous web app, um, given everything we've learned in the past, you know, five years. Um, right, the idea is it's mobile first, so it's on your phone, so it uses all the features of your phone to make it easier to kind of navigate the app. Um, you get all the same workouts, just delivered straight to your phone, rather than having to go to a website. And we make sure that there's media and content kind of available so you can quickly kind of familiarize yourself with every exercise as you do them. And it's really easy to see reps and sets and then you can log your reps and sets and then the app gives you your workout history and your PRs and allows you to track your progress. And, and then there's you can kind of go to your account page and see kind of your history and um, make sure you're kind of following the program appropriately. And yeah, so it's right there in your phone. Dope. Um, I want to give a shout out to the entire team hybrid for making that app happen. Caesar has been working so hard, bro. Yeah. Your bags under your eyes. I yeah. mean, that's another thing. Exercise. Yeah, dude, <laughs> that's another thing. People Caesar edited 4,000 million videos for the exercise library. Cap's been working incessantly <laughs> with the rest of the uh, dev shop team to to bring this app to life. And we're almost there. We're almost getting almost started. Almost there for getting started. Yeah. yeah, we're almost getting started. Almost, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're taking it one day at a time. It's exciting stuff and it's going to be epic. So make sure that you download it April 1st. Um, we're coming close to an hour, maybe it's a, a bit over an hour. Mm. So it's a good place to stop. Ian, thank you so much for your time. It was thank a pleasure you having, having you as a as a guest <laughs> in the podcast, podcast that you co-host. <laughs> uh, I like so being a you. guest. Always remember... Uh, Tag us, share this episode on your story for a chance to win some free hybrid legacy swag. We always pick a few winners every month to send them our appreciation. So yeah, thank you guys for listening and I'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Bye. Bye.